Hey, good evening, everybody. My name is Todd Foster, and I am your host uh, mentor tonight for the Gold Club Q&A call. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, this is actually a call that uh, we host. Uh, one of the mentors typically will host this call on the second Monday of every month. Uh, and if you are not Gold Club members, guys, you absolutely need to be. Um, as part of your Gold Club membership, uh, you get to participate in this call and interact with uh, the host, uh, which is typically one of us mentors, get to ask us questions directly, talk to us about your deals, have deals analyzed, uh, all that good stuff. If you are not part of the Gold Club, uh, you're more than welcome to listen into this call, glean as much information uh, as you can from that. Uh, I promise you will provide, uh, or we, you will get value out of it. Um, uh, the downside is you just won't be able to interact uh, with uh, the host and get any questions answered, but uh, still plenty of value there. Uh, and guys, if you're not a member, uh, it's a super cheap monthly cost. The value that uh, you get uh, with all of the training videos and, and, and everything that comes with that Gold Club membership is really second to none, so I can't encourage you uh, enough to, to sign up for that membership. And just go to Ron's Gold Club. Com if you're not already a member, and get signed up for that. Um, if you are a Gold Club member, if you want to ask questions as part of this, uh, this call uh, or discuss a deal that, uh, that maybe you submitted a little earlier, I just check, let me check my email one more time here and make sure that the office didn't send anything uh, over. Uh, it doesn't look like I got anything. Um, as of yet, but uh, there's typically plenty of uh, students that will kind of hop on here last minute and, and ask questions and get their deals analyzed, and so it should help everybody uh, in the group uh, from a learning process. Um, if you are a Gold Club member and you did not call in on the interactive line that's listed on your Gold Club membership website on that home page there right after you log in, uh, you really should hang up now and dial back in using that phone number and access code uh, if you want to be able to uh, join in this call and ask any questions. Okay, uh, and obviously I can't uh, say that out loud here because we do have uh, non Gold Club members on the call. But um, you know, if if you uh, uh, didn't use that that call in line, you you definitely want to hop off right now and jump back on uh, just as quick as you can. Um, let's see a little bit about me. It's been a while since I've hosted this call. I have been uh, one of the mentors in Ron's organization for well over 10 years now. Uh, I think I met Ron back in, I want to say 2010. And um, boy, he, he absolutely changed uh, our lives, the course of our family's lives, as I'm sure he has for a lot of you. Uh, I was a struggling uh, real estate agent. I had just kind of you know, left my engineering job because I was sick of corporate America and was spinning my wheels in real estate until I met him. And he showed me uh, the pretty house business and, and how to make money uh, the right way in, in real estate. And uh, I'm so thankful that, that he has. Um, we did uh, a handful of deals through our mentorship program, and uh, the rest has kind of been history. We've been doing deals ever since, still active uh, in, this, uh, in this business. I, I love it. Um, and uh, uh, we live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, so we're kind of up here in the middle of nowhere up in the Midwest uh, where it's nice and cold, uh, as Ron always likes to say. But um, I definitely love it up here and, and looking, to, uh, looking forward to helping uh, all of you guys tonight get your questions 
answered. So um, let's see, as far as uh, jumping into the queue, uh, where are the instructions on that? Da, 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 da. Uh, as long as you are on the interactive line, press star 6 to be entered into the queue if you want to ask a, a question uh, tonight. Uh, I've got about an hour here with you guys, uh, so I can try to answer as many questions as I can, help as many students uh, as I can. Uh, we may or may not use uh, that entire hour, but uh, we usually do. There's usually um, a good number of students that want to get their questions answered, so star 6. Go ahead and start uh, lining up uh, now, and um, we can uh, we can start answering some some questions. So uh, I got some some people here in the queue that I recognize. So let's uh, let's open it up to questions and get uh, get right to it. Um, let's see. Sorry, bear with me, guys. Just technical difficulties. It's been a while since I hosted the call. The interface has changed a little bit here. So uh, let's see if this works. Hello, who do we got on the call tonight? Oops. Uh-oh. I think I might have done something wrong. Let me try one more time. Hello. Hello. Hey, Todd Foster, Richard Hudak. It's been a while. It has been, Richard. That's definitely a voice I recognize. You're, I saw your name here in the queue. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't actually have a question. I um, accidentally hit the button, just checking out the <laughs> buttons, and it just put me in the queue. But uh, I guess now that I got you, I'm just saying hello to you. So that's All good. Right. Well, well, perfect. Um, uh, always, uh, always good to hear your voice. Um, let me, uh, uh, so you got, uh, you don't have anything you need help with tonight. Let me do this. Um, I want to put you kind of back on hold here, Richard, as long as I can figure out how to do that. Um, but yeah, hop back in the queue if you think of something or you hear something, all right? Uh, all right, uh, who do we have next? Hey, how's it going? Good. Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Carlos. Hey, Carlos. Where are you from? Uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Ah, all right. Yeah, it's, a, it's getting cold here, too, so uh, and we don't like the cold. <laughs> uh, all right. How cold is it there? Uh, I think it's, uh, what, like 50-something uh, right now. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> So we're right, getting you're just, really you're just rubbing it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, uh, well, here's my you? yeah. Here's my question. It's about entity structuring. Um, I have my son wants to start buying some property, and we're trying to figure out the best way to set up uh, things for him. Uh, he's single, so didn't know what the best way is uh, would be to set it up for him. He's going to be doing a lot of buy and holds. Um, okay. Uh, uh, in, uh, basically, he'll be doing uh, uh, something similar to lease options, but he'll, actually, he'll be doing you know land contracts um, uh, uh, type deals. So, 
Uh, just wanted to know, uh, I know a multi-member LLC is the best route to take, but since he's single, I just wasn't sure uh, how to set it up. And I've got several LLCs myself. You do? Okay. And how old is your son? Uh, 25. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. So I, I would, um, I mean, if there's a way to kind of create a, a multi-member LLC, obviously he needs an additional member or somebody that... Um, you know, I mean, he's not yeah, not, not married. I'm assuming single. I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I probably consider maybe adding you as a as a separate uh, member, but just maybe like give him 99% ownership, one 1% ownership to to you if if you wanted to do something like that. Um, I mean, does he want? <laughs> have you talked to him about it? Is he is he on board with having a multi member LLC or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, then if it was me, I would probably say somebody that he that he trusts, a uh, family member, but just kind of give them a one percent stake. Um, gotcha. Do you that have an attorney sense. that you do you have an uh, an attorney that you work with that can help you with uh, setting up the entity or or like uh, absolutely, absolutely. You we use Bob okay. Bloom. Yep, absolutely. Oh, yep. 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 Right. So yeah, that's what I needed to know. Uh, uh, I didn't know about the 99% 1% deal there, but I think that that's going to work. Yeah, and I, I Bob's obviously the expert, you know, uh, on that. But ask him the same same question. I'm sure he gets that uh, a whole lot more than, than than I do. But that's that's what I'd be looking to do if I was in your boat. So we totally right. appreciate it, my friend. Anything else I can help you with uh, tonight? No, that that was quick and simple for me. <laughs> All right. Well, we like the quick and simple one. All right, Carlos. Well, hey, you have a, a great rest of the night, and uh, hopefully it, uh, it uh, doesn't get too cold down there for you here in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You too. Have a great night. All right. Yeah, you too. Okay. All right. Let's go on to the next call. Who, who do we have now? Hey. Hey, can you hear me? This is Clay. Uh, hey, Clay. How are you? Where are you from? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, originally oh. from North Carolina, but I've been in Atlanta 20 years. I've been uh, flirting with doing a lot of real estate investing stuff over the years, kind of tried out a few different things with limited success, kind of hadn't really found my, my niche yet. I, um, I think really houses, single-family houses is where I want to be. I'm a, I'm a realtor also as a day job. And... Uh, uh, so I've been through Quick Start Real Estate School. Uh, I really like the uh, owner financing, you know, model. Uh, I'm about to hopefully get my first owner finance property. Uh, I've done, I did one flip uh, a few weeks ago that was really just like a, I bought a house and flipped, just painted it and flipped it. I uh, made a small profit. Uh, so there's that, but uh, I found I finally started spending some money to generate quality leads, and I've got this lady who has a house, uh, ARV. I mean, there's houses in the neighborhood that have sold for, for same size uh, for about 280 range. Uh, she's already told me that I developed a really great rapport from her. She's actually originally from uh, or from Atlanta, but and this is her mother's house. She's moving out. Uh, her mother's got to go to assisted living. Uh, so the house is owned free and clear. Uh, the first phase of assisted living is only going to be 900 bucks a month for her mother. 
so I told her, you know, I'm going to make you a cash offer. She's already said she's got offers for like 160-ish range. And, I mean, that makes my numbers work. I mean, I, I'd buy it at 160 cash from her if that's what it comes to. But I was going to offer her a little less, like 150 cash. But then I, I brought up the owner financing thing. She seemed agreeable, but her biggest thing was, well, for how long? Because my mother right now, she's only going to need, you know, 900 bucks a month for her facility but you know at any point you know two three we really don't know but sometime you know in the coming years she's gonna that that number is going to jump up to five or six thousand a month that she really needs for her care uh and that's pretty typical for assisted living i mean it's, it's right now her mother doesn't need like extended care she just uh, can't live at home anymore, but she doesn't need like nursing care. But you know, as she ages and and she moves to different, uh, you know, a facility with more care, there it gets a whole lot more expensive when you start talking about really getting into a nursing facility, you know, with with 24-hour nursing and stuff. So, uh, but I'm trying to figure out how to structure the owner financing. That's what that's really yeah. what the purpose of my question so, is. So um, one of the things I yeah, go ahead. Um, I was thinking about offering her 275 if she would uh, give me a 10-year balloon. But then I, I know that she's not going to want to commit to 10 years, you know, flat out, like, because that leaves her mother, like, what if five years from now her expenses jump way up? She's going to want to pop that balloon early. So do you have any advice on structuring, you know, an owner financing payments where, you know, she can exercise her option early. Like, it kind of puts me in a predicament, though, because then, like, I'm putting myself in a position where I can't be as certain about what I do with the property if I don't know how much time I've got. So, yeah, so, what, yeah, what are your thoughts? To, to, yeah, to me, there's a couple of really easy solutions uh, here that maybe you just, yeah, you, you haven't quite considered. So let's kind of talk about that. Uh, first thing that I want, uh, to kind of point out and, and just kind of ask is you had said that you're kind of considering offering one seven or I'm sorry two seventy five. Uh, what one one seventy five? Oh, was it one seventy five? Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to offer one fifty cash or one seventy five if she finances it for, and gives me a ten year okay. balloon. I know she's okay. not going to go further than ten year balloon, but I but that okay. makes it you know a lot more attractive to me if I can get the whole financing for at least. 10 years, but I don't, you know, I don't know that I'll get the full 10 years. So go ahead. So what is the converse, what is the conversation with her look like when you had talked about it? Because what Ron likes to, to, you know, to say and what he teaches us to do is to ask questions of the sellers if the seller's making the offer, right? So, uh, so first of all, if, if you haven't done so, um, you know, the talk track for that, the, the questions that I'd be asking is, uh, I mean, it would sound something like, look, you know, I, I can probably make you an offer kind of in that same area that some of these other investors are making, maybe squeak you out with just a little bit more. However, uh, if you are willing to do some type of an owner financing structure, it's going to end up putting more money in your pocket. So let me ask you this. Um, if we can agree on the rest of the terms, what, what do you think is the least you'd be able to sell the property for if, if we can agree on the rest of the terms? I mean, have you asked that specific question to see what she's willing to take from an owner financing perspective so you're not kind of stuck trying to figure out what, what, what the offer is? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, she told me 
gave me numbers for her cash offers and said, you know, yeah. some, you know, the highest, the higher one was 165, and she's gotten maybe other offers 155, 160 range. So, but I, I didn't come point blank say because you know she didn't really understand the owner financing thing until I like explained it to her. And her first question was, well, that, that sounds okay. She's like, but how long? What are we talking about here? Like, yeah. like cause my mother's going to need more than the monthly payment, you know, eventually. And that so was her I, biggest concern. Yeah. So. so that, so great, great question on your part and her part, honestly, cause a lot of times these deals you're, you're trying to solve, you know, uh, a problem for the seller. And if you can just solve the problem and show them how they can make a whole lot more money, um, you, you'll, you'll find yourself, uh, getting a signed deal and a signed contract out of it. So if it was me, one of the things that I'd be telling her is, look, first of all, when I'm talking to a seller, especially when they don't quite understand or maybe if they've never done an owner financing deal before, there's a lot of fear uh, for the sellers because they just don't know what they're necessarily getting into. So um, when I'm talking to the seller, it's, it's, it comes out something to the effect of, uh, you know, first of all, and we, we do this all the time. We run into sellers in this type of a situation all the time. So you want to normalize it for them. And it really is kind of normal, at least in our world, right? Um, and then let them know. And, and it's very important, the wording that you use. So you want to use words like usually, typically, right, to let them know that this is, this is the way that it's normally handled. Now, it might, might not be normal for them, but it is for us in this, in this business. So usually what we do in a situation like this, Mrs. Seller, is uh, we set the deal structure up on a 30-year um, note. Now, if you need to get your cash out much, much sooner, and it sounds like you do, that's fine. You know, we still amortize this over a certain amount of time or set it up to where we're paying you $900 a month. And we don't know when that will change for you, when your, 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 her expenses will change. But um, what we can do is we can help you sell the note when the time comes if she needs to, to, to basically get the cash out at that point. Right. So, uh, and then you can work with her, find her a note buyer that she can sell the note to, and you can take a cut of that as well. Right, so that, that'll solve her problem. It keeps the note in place. Now you just start paying a different owner, whoever she sells the note to, and then she collects uh, the lump sum whenever she needs it. Because right? you don't know if it's going to be three years from now. It might be seven years from now. It might be 10 years from now. So no sense trying yeah. to solve that problem right now and putting a cap on the time frame and saying, like, I mean, because I hear you saying, you're like, oh, she's never going to go for a 10-year balloon. Well, she doesn't have to. Right? Don't don't put her in that position of trying to find, you know, the time frame that's going to work for her right now because you don't know what it is. Structure the deal yeah. in such a way that it works for you, but then she has the flexibility to sell that note whenever she needs to and get the cash. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought of selling the note. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, she well, she would sell the note, you know, because you, you I mean, you guys, well, yeah, the note yeah, would basically yeah, be from your entity back to her, yeah. and then she would say, yeah. But she's not going to know how to sell it, so it's going to continue to deepen that relationship, what? and you just walk her through. Like this is this is what we we help sellers with all the time. This is not a unique situation. I feel like I would, but me knowing what I know about this business and notes, I feel like, so she's going to have to take some kind of a discount, right, to sell she that. She probably note. will. 
she probably would what, if she needs I want, to. I would want to give her I would want to give her a heads up, you know, like, hey, we can sell the note, but you probably need to take a small discount. I don't know enough about notes and what they sell for to really speak knowledgeably on what that might look like, but I feel like she was going to ask and I should kind of give her some kind of idea this is what you might be looking at when the time comes to sell that note. Do you have any idea like what's is there like a standard starting point where notes like where people pay for notes? I mean, um, if it's perform, I mean it would be performing. I'm getting into this thing at a great price to where, I, I mean, barring you know World War Three or some crazy stuff happening, I, I mean I think it's it's going to be fine and no problem for me to pay that note. So if it's performing for a handful of years, let's say two or three years before she needs to sell it. And it's a good note. What I mean, what what's a typical discount well, for people? Okay, the so market? yep. So well, let me ask you this. So and, and maybe you don't even need to work with her to sell the note. Maybe maybe at that point in time, you cash her out and you you know and you make a cash deal. I mean, you're you're sitting here talking about making her a cash offer in the one sixty ish range versus a financed offer at one seventy five. And if it's three, four years into this deal and she comes back to you, she needs the cash, do you have the ability to essentially cash it out at that point? Uh, I mean, I, I could I, probably I do some, yeah, I, I I could probably figure it out. You know, it'll. I don't know what my business is going to look like at that point. I, I do own my home free and clear um, in the process of getting a home equity line to to just have some a line of credit to, to do some business with. Um, yeah. I, I, I would think I could get the money somehow, maybe from a private lender, maybe from yeah, just a, just, a, just an investor loan. You know, at that point, if it's two years down the road and the and the pro, the property's cash flowing, you know, I think I could get one of those DS. What is it like those loans that are based on the income or whatever? Um, because the 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 loan to value is going to be so low that I think I'll, I think I'll have a lot of options for financing basically to be able to cash her out. So my thought was maybe I'll tell her, look, I'll, I'll pay you 175 for it with a 10 year balloon. But if you want to cash it out early, then we'll, we're going to go ahead and agree on a discount structure, you know, just so she knows. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like if you cash it out in the first five years, you only get 160, you know, I get a, $15,000 discount because that's a lot closer than what I was going to pay you cash. What do you, I mean, is that ever done? Or, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think what you have to be careful of there is, uh, you know, first of all, the, the, the human side of this, I actually like that you're thinking about not putting her in a position that's going to, you know, leave her in a situation where she's leaving money on the table or, or, or so I, I'm, I'm okay with all of that. However, the, the downside to the more information you give her on the front end or the, the deeper you dive into this and you start talking to her about uh, discount structures, the more complicated you make this on the front end, the more difficult it's going to be to get a deal done with her, right? Uh, human nature tells me that sellers will back away when things seem a little bit more complicated or seem more complex than what they really yeah. are. And if she doesn't understand it and you have to start talking about discount structures and, and, and things like that, um, you're going to have a hard time getting this one under contract. I mean, that's just been my, my experience if you have to go that route. So uh, that's where I think, you know, as, as long as you have the ability to make this, you know, 
fair to her in terms of what she probably would have got had it been a cash offer anyway. I mean, you're trying to structure a deal so that it works for you and it works for her. And yeah, ideally, maybe put a little bit more thing. money into her pocket, right? Um, yeah. So I don't and have if I get my financing, with, you know, right. then I'm right. happy. You know, if I got it for 10 years, I'd be happy. But when right. you start looking at it, like what if she wants to cash me out in two years or three years, that puts me in a little, a lot different spot. So I'm like, oh, then it's not much different, that much different than a cash deal, you know. Like, I mean, it's a little better, but yeah. not near the so, benefits so, that I get. So, so if it was me, I might just probably work. I mean, you could put a 10-year balloon in there. I mean, that could be part of your your offer. Again, I I I still like the idea of. Uh, telling her, hey, this is the way we normally do it. I, I would, I would try to get away without putting a balloon in there whatsoever, as long as you present it with. I mean, what, to me, what's the point of of putting yourself in a situation where you have to have a ten year balloon? If a, you know that the likelihood is you're 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 probably gonna have to do something much much sooner. Uh, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Uh, you know, we don't know. Um, but but why put your back against the wall? I I would just say, hey, this is the way we normally structure it, and we keep the you know, option flexible, uh, such that, you know, in, in an ideal world, if you need to cash this thing out, say, earlier than three years, um, you know, then, then that's going to make it a little bit more challenging, you know, for me. Uh, and so I would want maybe a little bit of a discount there to, to kind of cash it out at that point. But then maybe after that, you, there, there's there's no other discounts, right? So maybe uh, you kind of have to figure out what that number is for you to, to kind of make that deal work. You know, maybe it's a Ten twenty thousand dollar discount. I I don't know what that number is. Um, yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying, but but maybe have one stopping point. If if it was me, I think that that's probably what you know what I would consider on something, on something like. Yeah, this. maybe I just tell her if she um, cashes it out. Well, there's a ten. There's no balloon, but if she cash, she needs to cash it out before five years. Then I need a ten thousand dollar you know discount to get it back to closer to the price I would have paid cash. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm not sure she's going to agree to. I already mentioned the balloon because, you know, she was wanting to know how long, how long, how long. And I said, well, you know, like we were going to amortize this thing for 30 years, but of course I'm not going to expect you to, you know, it's not going to take 30 full years for me to pay you. I said, in some situations we do this balloon thing where it's all due, you know, it's amortized over 30 years, but it's all due on a, yeah. you know, on a certain number of years, you know, like 10 years or something like that. And I think that's really the, probably the only way I'm going to get her to agree to the owner financing. If she knows there's some kind of balloon, that's not 30 years. Uh, uh, You've seen the property. You've inspected it. I have not yet. I'm trying to schedule a time where her mother can let me come and see it. Um, was okay. called, I called her today and I'm hoping to go see it this week. Uh, yeah. So, so really you got to get out um, there to see it kind of assess repairs and all that stuff. I mean, the nice thing is, is you know, the cash offers that are on the table. So as long as the numbers work yeah. for you, if it was me, and this is just, if it was me, like as long as, as long as the numbers work and it fit the Mayo formula, you know, for example, if, if, if I know that, uh, you know, my maximum allowable offer is, you know, one, say 175. I don't know what the numbers will, will be based off of the repairs, but if it's going to be somewhere in that range and, you know, her best offer is, you know, 160, 165, uh, and you could still make those numbers work, um, 
I'd still try to get it under contract and make sure that my cash offer was the most attractive cash offer on the table. But then you're also trying to stroke the greed glands and put the finance offer out there on the table because ideally that's the one you'd really want her to take, right? So yeah. you can make that one make uh, you can make that one look a little bit more attractive just in terms of price. Um, but again, maybe a better thing to do would be to just ask her to say, hey, you know, this, this is going to be my cash offer. I'd like to try to put more money in your pocket. You know, if you were going to take a monthly payment of, say, $900 a month and we were able to structure this in such a way to where you could get the cash out, you know, in a flexible way uh, a year, two years, three years, five years from now, whenever it was, if, if we can conceptually figure out a way to do that, um, what's, you know, what's the least you'd be willing to take on the purchase price of the property? If we're going to structure something like that, you know, don't don't assume that it has to be 175. She might say 170, right? You know, or it, don't put numbers into the seller's mouth. And she might come back and say, well, yeah, I mean, it just sounds like a big hassle, a big headache. Um, I wouldn't want to do it for anything less than like, you know, 230 or something. I mean, she might just come back with something ridiculous, and then and then you know that your finance offer is just kind of a waste of time, um, and then make the cash yeah. deal work. You know what I mean? Okay. So final question, if, if she were to sell the note, if we get to a point where I tell her, look, you can sell this note at any point, but you're going to have to take a small discount, what, I, I, don't, I don't know much about the note notes and the note market. Do you have any idea like what kind of discount she would take? I mean, it's not going to be a high rate of return. It's around 5%, the way I, the, the numbers I calculate. Yeah, it's, or uh, yeah I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. It's been a while since it's yeah. been probably – four or five years since okay. I've had to send a note and um, work with a seller yeah. to do that. Um, and it's, okay. boy, it just, it, it's all across the board. Um, you know, I mean, it could be 85, 90%. You know, it's, it, it really just kind of depends. Um, yeah. I, depends I don't really know. Um, yeah. And, and, and that is a big it, chunk for her. Yeah, that's a that, big that's chunk. That's why I think it's a worst and, case. Yeah, I mean, she's better off, like, just – probably selling it to me cashed if that's what's going to happen, you know. Uh, she's going to have to sell the note for 85 cents on the dollar because that's more than a bigger difference than what I'm offering. I mean, I would be offering. So, um, But I like the idea of telling, guaranteeing her that I'll cash her out if she gives me sufficient notice, you know, and we just kind of revert back to my cash price if it happens soon you know, <laughs> so that way she gets like the best of both worlds. She can get extra money if she can give me the, enough time. And if not, then she gets the same thing. She would have gotten cash, but I'm a little better off because I at least got the financing for a couple of years or whatever. So, Yeah. The only, so. the only, the only potential hiccup with that approach is, you know, if you go with the finance offer, you're going to end up putting a tenant buyer in the property, you know, would be my guess, giving them a year, year and a half, whatever it is, to, you know, on a, on a lease option. Uh, and then you're kind of locked in, right? So if she comes back to you and is like, hey, let's turn this into a cash deal, um, now you got to bring cash to the table and you got a tenant buyer in the property that you're going to have to honor that option and work with them to get the property cash out. So you might end up having to um, kind of leave that cash floating out there for, longer than you would want uh, unless you have a private money investor that, that will work with you. Well, my, my thought was to tell her that I, you know, if, if we could do the underfinancing, you know, I need a minimum of two years, right? Like that's yeah. like, I, I can't, uh, 
Yeah, or, and, that, and, that's, and so the question for the seller is, what's worst case scenario? Like, a, you know, what, what what do you feel like is the worst case scenario? Do you feel like in terms of, you know, when, when you might need this cash? And I can almost guarantee you, though, in her situation, she's going to say, I don't know. It could be three months. It could be five years. That's the problem. The she reality is she just doesn't know. She just doesn't know. So that's why. Right. But I'm trying to, like, encourage her to work with me by giving her some other options where she could. But it could be 10 years. You know, we don't know. And it may be fine for her to let me make payments for 10 years. That's possible. She's already told me her mother has lived longer than she thought she would and that this right. is coming out later than she thought it would come. So maybe she will hang out at this next facility for 10 years. You know, it's possible. I don't know. She's 80, though. So, yeah, you know, I don't know if she's going to get to be 90 at a very limited care place. I feel like she's probably going to go to a higher level of care sooner than 10 years. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, you've been very helpful in helping me think through it. Thank you. I don't want to take up the whole hour tonight. So thanks. I know this question is getting long. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Great questions. Thank you. All right. All right. Let's move on to the next person. Uh, hello. hello? Got on the line. Yep. Hello. Hi. Hi, this is Tony Stewart from Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Tony, how are you doing? Fantastic, how are you? I'm doing well. How can I help you tonight? I want to keep it short, but I have a two-parter. Um, sure, go ahead. The first part is, I know you have a bird's-eye view uh, with your mentees out there. My first part of the question is, what quality lead sources do you see that are working real well right now? And... Um, the second part of that question is related. In terms, since we're getting close to the holidays, what do you do in terms of either intensifying or even pulling back on your marketing efforts because of intensity because there's less competition out there during the cold months? I'm in Ohio, so I can relate to the cold months. Or pulling back a little bit because there's less seller attention to marketing. Those are my two questions. Uh, Good questions, Tony. Uh, first off, I, I grew up in Michigan, so we're not supposed to like each other, apparently. So I'm told. Oh, but you know, I'll, hey, I'll, listen, I'll my, from, my hometown is Port Huron, Michigan. Oh, I love it. All right, all right. So you're just you just the, you're just a defect. All right. So that's yep. no worries. <laughs> Defector. Um, all right. So yeah. So so to answer your question, quality lead sources working well right now. Um, for me, hands down, it's uh, you know if, if you're looking to spend money, uh, I would be spending it in some type of online advertising, um, you know, Facebook ads, so, something like that. Uh, I'm a big believer in going where the people are, and nowadays people start their searches online, so you might as well follow that trail and and start advertising online. I think that that's where you get the biggest bang uh, for your buck. Um, other things that have worked well for me that are continuing to work well, um, you know, not everybody is in favor of using bandit signs, but I do, uh, and I put out 50 signs a week. Actually, I got a guy that puts them out for me. Um, I'm too lazy to run out and do it myself, but um, those have worked well, and just, you know, those, that's always been a tried and true method to drive phone calls. Uh, just be cognizant of what your messaging on your signs say. Right, so for example, mine say we buy houses for full price, fast, easy, hassle-free. Um, right, because we're looking for more pretty house deals, and so I want the market to know that 
um, or not your typical quote-unquote cash investor that's just looking for the beat-up old junkers, right? So most abandoned signs you've probably seen out there over the years, you've been around for a while, say we buy houses fast cash, okay? And that, that, that's kind of conditioned the market to think yeah, ugly house, um, they're looking for junkers, beat-up old houses. So uh, changing up your marketing message and, and sending something new into the marketplace like that tends to drive a different set of clientele your way um, that, that tend to have a little bit nicer home, right? When you talk about uh, you know, selling or buying for, for full price or top dollar, something like that. Um, this time of year, especially in the northern uh, states, um, and, and I would assume it's, it's kind of the same way for the southern states, never lived anywhere south, um, but uh, certainly in the northern states, when the winter flies, I mean, you hear it all the time from realtors uh, around here, like, well, let's kind of pack it in, take the property off the market, and let's just wait till the spring selling season, right? Well, that doesn't work for a lot of sellers. There's a lot of sellers that would love to sell their property now. They don't want to sit around and wait. But that is the general consensus in the northern states, it seems like, from the, uh, a lot of realtors out there. Um, you know, or at least that's the message that a lot of sellers are getting. So expired and canceled listings tend to be a lot more prevalent this time of year in the fall and winter months. You see a lot more of those. Um, not so much in the spring and the summer. So uh, I, would, I would say kind of ramping up targeting that type of a list, especially in the winter months, uh, is, is, a good, is another good way to kind of find uh, motivated sellers. Uh, as far as uh, being in and around the holidays, um, that's, I'll be honest with you, that's kind of a, a personal preference, right? And, and a lot of that will depend on whether or not you're a solopreneur, whether or not you have a team. If you have a team, I'd say it's business as usual. Uh, if you're more of a solopreneur and you want to take a little bit of time off around the holidays, it, to me it depends on you know, how flexible your marketing uh, systems are. Um, I, another source of lead generation that I use is, is I use uh, Need to Sell My House Fast and I buy leads. Um, and the nice thing about a service like that is, you know, if you're going to go on vacation for a week uh, and you don't want to field any phone calls, you can just click a button and turn it off and you don't have to pay for the lead. Be very, very careful about that because you're always trying to keep your pipeline full, right? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of ever turning off your marketing systems, even if you're going to be, you know, gone for for a few days. Um, uh, so that's just uh, that's kind of a fine balance in terms of the number of leads and stuff you're getting. Now, if you've got a crap ton of leads and you're having trouble servicing all of them, then you know something like that that does have that flexibility to kind of shut it down so you can work some of your leads so that you're not just uh, spending money on leads and not getting to them uh, is, is certainly. Uh, a good idea, but um, the other thing I would say to that is if you've got a lot of leads and you're having a hard time processing them all, it's probably time to hire an acquisitionist, right? So um, it's kind of a loaded, a loaded question there, but you know, as, as far as the holidays, boy, I, we, we tend to get a decent number of calls in and around the, the holidays. Uh, people are off work and they're kind of catching up on their to-do list, you know, making calls, so um, you know, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't say that we've noticed a significant drop off or anything like that uh, over the years. We've we've bought properties uh, in and around the holidays. Uh, it seems like every single year, um, and I don't know that there's a significant drop off. So it's kind of how you set your business up and how you want it structured. But be very very careful about turning your marketing off. Okay.
Excellent. I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch your name at the beginning. Todd Foster. Todd Foster. All right. Thank you so much, Todd. That was gold, man. I appreciate it. All right, Tony. Hey, you have a great evening. Okay. Thanks for calling in tonight. Thank you. All right. Let's see who we got. We got a few more people in the queue here. I think we should have time to get to everybody, depending on how long these go. Uh, next caller. Who do we got? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Yep. Who do we got? Hey, this is Derek from Philadelphia. I want to know a, the best scripted way, if there is one, to sell a seller on the no script. They said no on question B. Uh, is there a scripted way to tell them that they are better off using terms for tax purposes? Is that their... In other words, I don't want to go off script. I want to know if there's a way I'm staying on script and uh, without talking too much. Ron says, you talk too much, you're begging. So is there a scripted way to say to a person who's saying that they want all cash, of course, everybody says they want all cash, is there a good way or is it advisable for me to say tax-wise, you're much better off with the terms. Uh, is that their main hot button? So, so, the, so first of all, I'll answer your question. Um, and this is a loaded question because a lot of times when, um, you know, one of the things I heard you say is what's the best way to convince a seller? We don't convince sellers. You know, we just, we just don't. If you're trying to convince a seller to do a deal, it's like trying to push a wet noodle. I mean, it just doesn't work. Um, the best thing to do is just get in the habit of asking the right questions, right? So uh, when a seller says, no, I want all cash, uh, you know, one of the questions I would say, well, if you don't mind my asking, I mean, this, this method tends to work for a lot, for a lot of people because it puts the most money in their pocket. So I'm just out of curiosity, you know, what is it that kind of has you wanting the, the cash deal? I mean, you really need to dive down deep into their motivation to, to figure out what their hot button is and solve the problem that way, right? Um, in an ideal world, you're able to kind of, you know, stroke the greed gland, right? I mean, just uh, you present it to them in such a way that, hey, well, you're going to make more money this way, so so why would you want to go the cash offer route? Um, and maybe they have okay. a specific reason, you know, where they, they can't do it. Uh, so you save yourself a, a lot of time. So um, rather than just trying to pitch them on something that we don't know if they're even going to care about, right? I mean, they, they I mean, yes, everybody wants to save money on taxes, uh, but that might not resonate with them. Remember, you're always trying to solve the seller's problem, and you're looking for motivated sellers, right? So if, if the seller doesn't have any real motivation to sell the property on terms, they're not going to do a deal. It's very rare that they would do a deal if they're not motivated, right? So mm-hmm. your your job is to ask the right questions to figure out why. Is there a way to help them? Right? Is there a way to structure a win-win deal and push those hot buttons? Uh, and you can only do that if you're asking the right questions, if you're, if you're really kind of diving deep into what it is they need and why they need it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So in other words, if I'm staying on script, it's better that I not mention the tax angle if I hear you correctly. Yeah, I, 
I don't necessarily just try to, so in my own business practice, I don't go that route. Uh, I don't just try to pitch them um, on, hey, these are all the benefits. I tend to ask more questions of, of the seller to figure out, you know, where are their potential hot buttons and align, um, align the benefits of selling with owner financing better to their unique and specific situation, right? So, okay. Um, yeah, and, and without asking the right questions, without knowing the problem that they're trying to solve, um, it, it, to me it becomes much more challenging to do that. Otherwise, you know, Ron has his standard, you know, kind of no script that kind of lists out, you know, some, some bullet points and things like that. So it's kind of like yeah, you're, you're throwing a lot of uh, things at the seller and to kind of see if something sticks. And that will work in a lot of situations. Um, but, you know, another... Uh, Another way to do that um, is to ask questions to, to figure out what those hot buttons are and then kind of customize, pick out those bullet points, you know, from, from the no script and really push those. Okay. So, well, this, this okay. is why in, in, a seller, in a situation like this uh, where, where we've worked with some people that have really found this beneficial, you know, have you considered that? Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, that helps. Yeah. So don't... Don't try to solve their situation for them. Just, just just ask a lot of questions on the front end and then try to marry the solution to whatever their situation or their hot button is. It, 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 it'll work a lot better for you. And there, there are a lot of different benefits in, within the context of that no script, right? So, um, so rather than throw you know, all 10 of those benefits out or however many are, are, are listed in there, and then that no script has kind of tended to change a little bit you know, over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mm-hmm. very well written. Um, but to condense it down, you know, based off of their hot buttons, uh, works works really well too. Okay. Okay. Now, do you send Guido if we ask a second question? You know, Ron says he's got this guy. Guido. <laughs> no, I I don't. Guido is on vacation, right? So. Uh, uh, well, no. well, then I have a second it's, question. His yeah, twin brother I, Bubba I might make his way over there, but Guido. Uh, uh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. What's, what's okay. On? Well, uh, listen. I've heard Ron say more than once that the trust issue is onerous in the one state that I happen to live in. Do I need an update for Pennsylvania? Because if so, I I don't want to try to get it from my title guy or my real estate attorney guy because I feel like they are not going to be expert at Ron's methods. They may be an expert at law or my title guy is an expert at titles. But... um, for example, they're going to say, well, you want a living trust? No, we want a grant or a revocable trust. So I want somebody that's trained to Ron's method that is familiar with Pennsylvania. Apparently, there's some different things that you got to do to make it work in Pennsylvania. Maybe you have a member or a mentor that does deals in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that, uh, what, I, what I'd like you to do is maybe call the office tomorrow. Uh, and find out. I know that we do have a mentor out in Pennsylvania. Um, at least I, I know that we used to. Um, and uh, 
and see if you can maybe get that question kicked around there. Uh, because it's such a state-specific specific question, I don't really want to dive into to, to, to the mm -hmm. weeds uh, on that, but um, there are people at the office that will be able to help you uh, with that specific question. Okay. Okay, sounds good. And tell Guido I hope he's feeling better. <laughs> All right, will do. Have a good night. All right, buddy, you too. See you. All right, let's go on to the next caller. All right, uh, who do we got? Hi, this Hello? is Nick from Seattle. Hey, Nick from Seattle. How are you tonight? Good. Question, so uh, what is the best way? My question relates to contacting the seller. So if a um, uh, seller is not responding, I found a vacant property, and the seller is not responding to the uh, to the post, and I try to figure out to, to find a phone number, and uh, there is no answer on the phone number. What would you say? Do you have any other options of contacting uh, the seller? So this so, so again, this is a vacant property. You either saw it via a drive-by, something like that, and you're trying to figure out how to track down the owner. Trying to get someone to yeah to write a contract if he's to negotiate if he's interested to sell. Well, so, uh, okay, so you, uh, I guess maybe I'm just not I'm not following. So this is, um, so you don't know who the owner is, or you do know who the owner is. You just don't know how to track them down. I don't. Yeah, I do know how. You know, I I went on the county uh, on the yep. county website, and it says right there who is the owner. But I'm not able to to get hold of him. Uh, okay, so a couple couple things that you uh, could potentially try, and and this is a property that's local to you. Yes, it is local. Okay, um, there's uh, you you can go on Google and and find um, uh, companies that will skip trace um, owners. Uh, and, and basically, basically, you're just looking for contact information, right? So you're going to give a uh, skip trace company the uh, the name uh, of the individual, the property address, um, and a good skip trace company will come back with a handful of phone numbers, uh, emails, that whatever uh, ways to potentially contact the owner. Um, so you could start there if you haven't done that already. Another thing that uh, you could do is, uh, and, and again, it's easier if it's local. Um, especially if the property's been vacant for a period of time, and it sounds like that is the case. Did you say it was it was vacant, or it's? I mean, it's indecent. It is I mean, vacant, uh, or even okay. probably even squatters are living there. Okay, so my guess is that um, you could you could door knock some of the the neighbors in the surrounding area, uh, and just say, hey, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a local investor. Um, and I typically buy properties. Uh, do you have any way, you know, to track down the owner of the property that lives right next door or right down the street? Um, you know, just you know, just trying to make the neighborhood look a little bit better for everybody involved, right? We'd love to be able to buy it, fix it up, get a nice family in there, really kind of clean up, uh, clean up the yard and, and all that stuff, which is just going to help anybody out. Do you happen to know? The owner, right? Uh, you know, were you friends with them? They lived here, whatever. Do you have a way to contact them um, and just start asking some of the questions of, of, of the surrounding neighbors? And, and a lot of times, they they will have um, phone number or they'll at least have information in terms of where the seller went. You know, 
I mean, you don't know if they moved out of the country. You just don't know, right? Um, so that's another potential option if the skip trace uh, doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't bear any fruit, you know, in, in terms of the phone numbers. But you have a phone number for the guy somehow that I'm assuming you got what off the county website or what? Like where did where where did the phone? No, no, county from? county website doesn't provide a phone number. I got it yeah, from the skip tracing company. Oh, you did. Okay. Um, here's my experience with skip tracing companies. They are a dime a dozen. Uh, everybody always wants to know, hey, who do you use? And it seems like I'm always using a different one um, because the results vary by. You could you could have that number skip traced by five different companies, and I'm willing to bet you probably get three or four different phone numbers. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. So, uh, and it's it's relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of things to skip trace, you know, one number. Um, so I, I would check with a few of them and see if you get some, some additional ways to contact. And if you've already tried calling the number and you can't get a hold of the seller, make sure you're also texting these phone numbers as well, right? Because people just don't, people don't pick up the phone these days when they don't recognize the phone number or they don't, uh, uh, yeah. So they, I mean, a lot of people they won't even listen to messages, right? But they, but everybody checks their text. Um, so make sure you're sending a text message as well. Okay. Yeah, and well, and then the follow up, basically. So yeah, I've spoken with. I tried to speak with the neighbors, and uh, one of the neighbors said, told me that yeah, there used to be an older gentleman, and he passed away, and we don't know who this house passed on to. We were trying to contact the owners as well, uh, and we couldn't find it because the squatters moved in. <laughs> so now the squatters are, you know, um, you know, uh, staying there overnight, and the neighbors, they don't like it. They would love, uh, you know, an investor come in and, you know, rehab the property and get their neighborhood back to normal, but... No one seems to be able. So I feel like it went to the probate. So my question would be, is there any way of figuring out who might be the, the attorney or the trustee or who's handling probate case? Uh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I'm not 100% I'm not sure. I think you're probably better off trying to track down uh, the the owners uh, or relatives of the the owner if if the owner did pass away, um, and there are skip trace companies that I you know companies out there that I have seen that will give you um, you know uh, relations or, or related or people that are potentially related to the owner right so that's that's another oh. way to, to try to track that down okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it's, it's whitepages.com, or there's 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 some of them out there online that uh, that'll uh, kind of make those suggestions. Well, stuff what is you. what is the site again? I want to say it was white whitepages.com. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the other one off the top of my head, but I would yeah, um, I would just Google some okay. of them, and I mean you you find a lot uh, online nowadays just with a few clicks, and and see if you can start to piece together who uh, some of the relatives are and then reach out to those people, right, and, yeah. and find that information out, okay? I usually don't have a problem finding the owner, but th with this one, 
I've spent so much efforts. I feel like you know it's no no more reasons to 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 search because I I've done everything I could and you know my my partner says just give it up. This be careful with that though. Be, be, yeah, be careful with that though because the harder the owner is to track down, the more people just give up. You're, you're going to find that you're not going to have any competition here uh, for this one. So if you go the extra mile and oh. you know try to track down the owner, you're typically it. Um, you're not going to have any competition, right? So the the ones where the seller is really really hard to find, that's that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, you can look at it, look at it like that. The easier the owner is to find, the more calls that they're fielding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hear you. So, I hear you. So yeah, think of it. So think of it like that. All right. Um, but hey, my friend, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the next caller here. See if we can get one more in before our time is up this evening. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you're you're welcome. All right. Uh, let's move on. Let's see if we get one more in under the wire here. Uh, hello, who do we got? Hi, yeah, this is June Hardy. I just went, I jumped in on the call. Uh, I had almost forgotten that Ron's call was tonight. Who who are you? You're no other mentor. What's your name? I, I hadn't caught your name, sir. Well, yeah, that's all right. My name's Todd Foster. Nice to meet you, Todd Foster. Anyway, yeah. I was just gleaning some information. I'm kind of like a lot of them, and uh, I'm just working to get my first deal. And uh, my, my issue partly is consecutive, consecutive work to try to get there simply because of time and trying to do everything I need to do and just like a lot of people juggling a lot of time. And you were saying that you were doing a lot, when you first got started, you were doing a lot of email, uh, inexpensive email advertising, you were saying, and then you're still putting out bandit signs. Is that what you said? Uh, online advertising, not email advertising, but online advertising, yeah. Online. So, okay. uh, it's just, so basically what I mean by that is using online lead, yeah, online uh type platforms to generate leads, Facebook, uh, Google AdWords, that type of stuff. Like everything is online nowadays, right? That, that's yep. where 95% of the sellers are starting their search. So you might as well go where the people are. Well, though, are mo most of these chargeable areas, though, the Facebook and stuff, and these aren't these, you know, the Craigslist I know is not, but some of them are they not charged when you get started with that? Well, I mean, any of these lead generation services, yeah, are, are they're typically going to be um, a, a, a paid-for service. You know, if you're looking for um, free advertising or for free free lead generation, um, uh -huh. then yeah, you're you're kind of back to looking at uh, truly a Zillow, Craigslist, and some and some of these other um, okay. sites that allow sellers to sell their property for sale by owner. So you're, you're looking at a lot of for sale by owner type type situations, and it's a lot more um, it's a lot more hustle. Uh, you you got to call a lot more sellers to to find uh, the deals because they're just not mm -hmm. as motivated as a seller that's going to pick up the phone and call you for the marketing that you put out. Does that make sense? Right, right. That's for sure. Yep. That's and for so sure. It's, it's doable either way, right? I mean, don't don't feel like oh man, like if and, and I and I don't know, and you don't have to ask that type of answer, but I get students all the time that are like, man, I man, Todd, money is tight right now and like I just don't mm -hmm. have the money to spend on, you know, marketing and advertising and I'd really like to. Uh, yeah. And honestly, the, you know, the very easy answer to that is no sweat. You know, like you just, it's just going to take a little bit more of your time and, and energy and it's going to take some more hustle to get deals because you're working with traditionally, uh, like what Ron says, is you're, you're kind of, your, your lowest form of, um, 
leads, right? Or your your, your least that and, and the, mm -hmm, that and the fizzballs off off the goal club side, which he always calls them long low hanging fruit. Right, <laughs> but exactly, and it, it is. It, it's kind of you're you're looking for that low hanging fruit, uh, and that's why mm -hmm. we use the PAs to to do all of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I've, I've got to put two tires on my car. I'm looking for a power steering thing. So when I'm a one person show here, so yeah, yeah. Uh, money's not yeah. as fluent uh, as what I'd like to be right now. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I appreciate it. I remembered uh, tonight was the call. I thought, and I jumped on Go Club site while ago to make sure you guys were having the call tonight. Because, like I said, I don't always remember to get on Mondays because I work so many nights on Mondays before and. I finally got, get off Mondays now, and I forget to get on the calls. <laughs> but yeah. I've, I've learned some tonight, just some things that I, you know, gleaned from some of the other talkers on the phone. Good, so, yeah, good, good. Everything is Awesome. All right. Well, you have yourself a fantastic rest of the night, okay? Thank you, too, Todd. Thanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. We've kind of come to the end of our hour uh, tonight. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, log off here, but great call tonight. A lot of great questions. Hope you guys learned something tonight. Remember, this uh, is a call that we hold on the second Monday of each and every month, so remember to call in on the second Monday each and every month, and one of the mentors will be here kind of going over uh, questions uh, with uh, with whatever students call in, so it's a good, good learning opportunity for you. So with that, uh, we'll go ahead and end tonight's call. I uh, hope everybody has a fantastic rest of the evening, and we will talk to you guys soon.